body from a burning building. Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they are doing. I'm your host, Bruce Warzniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. I'm most grateful to everybody out there who listens wherever in this world you are located. I encourage you to make sure you're signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you're not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. And yes, as I have mentioned the last couple weeks, it honestly is weekly, meaning I'm only going to send to you each Wednesday. There are so many people who I get emails from way more than once a week, so I know how annoying that can get. And so I hope it will mean something to you that you will only get an email from me once a week. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a platinum-selling singer-songwriter who is a four-time Grammy nominee and an Academy of Country Music and Billboard Awards winner. She has appeared on The Tonight Show, David Letterman, and numerous other national TV shows. In addition to writing her own original music, she has written hits for the likes of Reba McIntyre, Martina McBride, Leanne Rimes, and more. She was also picked as Carrie Underwood's duet partner for a song on CMT's 100 Greatest Duets. She is performing extensively, both here in the U.S. and internationally. You've been hearing a song of hers called Somebody's Hero. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Jamie O'Neill. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for making time to do this. As we're going to hear, you are just performing everywhere, so... I appreciate you finding a place on your schedule to talk to me. It's kind of the opposite of two years ago when the whole world shut down due to the pandemic and no one went anywhere, although you actually released an album in October of 2020, which was 12 songs, and four of them were 2.0 songs. One song that got a 2.0 done of it was Somebody's Hero, which was just playing during the intro. Talk about that song, if you would, please. Yeah, well, I really feel like that's so autobiographical for me because it's all about life coming full circle, having a baby, raising a child. When I wrote the song, my child was a baby, you know, and now she's 18, almost 19, going off to college. And um, so when I wrote the song, I'm saying words like, you know, talking about her as a toddler, and then the next verse is talking about raising your child and driving them everywhere and cooking for them and, you know, taking care of them and then them going off and finding the wings to to fly out of the nest. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, life has come really full circle as far as that song goes and a tribute to moms and daughters everywhere. And my daughter's singing in on it with me for the 2.0 version, um, Aaliyah. She sang it and recorded it. So to me, the song means more to me now than it even did when it very first came out. But she was in the video as a toddler and now here she is going off to college and it's just um it's one of those songs that resonated with moms everywhere and so um having people come through my meet and greet lines you know with stories about either putting their moms in a nursing home or playing that song at their wedding where their moms that was their song to their mom mm. it just really means a lot to me because i think making that connection as a songwriter and as an artist is pretty much the most important thing. 
But when you wrote the song, you mentioned that she was just a baby then. So as you're putting the song together, not being a mother of a grown child, of a teenager, so to speak, how easy or difficult was it to envision, okay, as I write this next verse, it's going to be about the child being much older now. In other words, you were writing about something that you hadn't experienced yet. So was that easy to do just because it's, ah, come on, we've all grown up through ages. We all see nephews, nieces, neighbors, friends, relatives around us. Or was it, in fact, a little bit of a challenge to write about that part? Well, honestly, I feel like, um, you know, as a songwriter, you're a creative who can imagine a lot of different things. I mean... Think about Taylor Swift writing about falling in love, you know, in that song, Love Story. She's talking about Romeo and Juliet, and, you know, he got down on one knee with a ring. It, it's all, And she was probably 15 or 16. I mean, mm. if you can imagine it and you can write about it and you can imagine what it's like, you can imagine falling in love before you've fallen in love. You can imagine your child growing up and getting married. I mean, so I think that's what that comes from is imagination, you know. No, I don't think of it as a challenge. Um, my co-writer, Shay Smith, doesn't have any kids. And, you know, I remember her coming up with the line, um, the keeper of the Cheerios, you know. Now there's someone who's never fed a baby before in her life because she's, you know, a single person. Um, I, I just think that that's the great thing about songwriters. We can write about anything because our imagination takes over. Yeah, and because a songwriter does have that poetic license to kind of write what you envision, like you just said, whether you lived it or not, all of a sudden it kind of does relieve that pressure that you say, I don't know what this is like, but that's okay. I also wrote a song about insert situation here, and I didn't do that either. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I mean, and then a lot of artists don't even write songs, but they're they're actors, so to speak, because... I think the main thing about being a great artist is believability. If I don't believe when the singer sings the song, if I don't believe them, then I don't think they capture that. I don't think they get the fan base they're looking for. I think you can't even put your finger on what makes someone a believable artist. But, um, you know, someone like Reva, for instance, she becomes the character of the song. Okay, but to that end, though, I said in the intro that in addition to writing your own original music, you have written for others. So do you ever record music that someone else wrote, or do you only record what you have written for yourself? No, I've recorded outside songs before. Um, I mean, even last Christmas, well, at the end of 2020, I, did, I recorded River, you know, as a Christmas song, the Joni Mitchell song, and it's one of my favorite, favorite Christmas songs. And it was just a joy to sing somebody else's song. And I did a whole album of um, Eternal, which was all the classic country songs that I grew up listening to. My parents sang that I love and I wanted to do a, a tribute to country music. And I've also, you know, cut outside original songs. I have a Christmas album coming out this year and I cut uh, Jeffrey Steele's song that he actually wrote for me. I called him up and I said, I really want a Christmas song from you. And he said, I'm going to do it. Mm. And he wrote the song, and, um, you know, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. But still, that means that you are in a position to do exactly what you just said, which is to have someone bring a song to you and for you to look at it and say, if the believability isn't there, if I just don't feel I can pull this song off, then I'm going to turn it away. Yeah, that's true. 
I'm really fascinated by your having been able to put out a 12-song album during the pandemic and get some other great artists on there. Can you talk about that project and how it all came together, especially given that we were all having to quarantine due to COVID? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the silver lining for me was I knew that I wanted to re-record my hits, and I knew that I wanted to do the original songs I had written and been wanting to record for a while. And I guess, you know, the only positive thing for me, besides being able to be home and, you know, cook meals at home and not go on the road for a little while, that was nice. It, it, for a little while it was nice, but then you start to get restless. <laughs> but the, um, the artists are home, meaning they had time to sing. Mm. So they, like Martina McBride, Sarah Evans came in the studio and we hung out together. And actually that video is coming out for Trying to Find Atlanta, so we sang together too. But um, Martina, you know, she sent me her vocal for Angels, which was a dream come true, you know, because I've looked up to her, gosh, for so many years since the start of her career. And before I even got my record deal, I was a Martina McBride fan. So I was totally fangirling just her, having her. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, so, and Lauren Elena and John Paul White, I mean, how gracious they were to give me the time that it took to sing on my songs. And the one that I did with John Paul White, someone sometimes is one of the favorite songs, my favorite songs I've ever written. I mean, it's, it's just, I love that song. So who worked on that album for you in terms of, I imagine that this was sort of a, how would you say, pandemic enforced environment meaning it may not have been the full studio setting that you're used to recording in actually we cut a lot of it before covid ah we tracked i was very lucky to have tracked um i think it was november of 2019 that i tracked most of those songs but we did one last tracking session in 2020 and everyone wore masks which was definitely hard, definitely a challenge. Some players wouldn't even come into the control room. Um, everybody stayed in their ISO booths. You know, ISO booths here in Nashville, for those who don't know, just stands for isolation. You're in there, so it's soundproofed, and a lot of the guys stayed in their booths and didn't come out. So it wasn't as much fun. It was, like, really sterile, you know, sterile, however you want to say it. Conditions... Um, but musically, you know, it's like everybody's professional. We know what we're trying to get. We know what we're trying to achieve. Everybody did their best. And, um, yeah, incredible experience. And I'm, I'm assuming that releasing it in October of 2020 was probably a blessing in disguise, meaning everybody did have all kinds of extra time on their hands. We were all just sitting around looking for entertainment. And so it maybe was actually beneficial to release new music during the pandemic because people aren't distracted by 47 other things that are going on in their lives. I think so. I think music streaming numbers were up, and I think music is an escape for a lot of people. It's a happy escape. Sometimes it's a sad escape, um, but it's something people like to put their music on, their playlists, their headphones, and just um, or discover new music. And I think that that's one thing that's happened during the pandemic is music was more important than ever. You know, just like streaming TV shows and movies, music is the same way. You know, people just lose themselves in whatever their favorite thing is. Yeah, and so I probably should have phrased it in the form of a question, but I can't imagine that you or anyone around you tried to say 
maybe we shouldn't release this right now. There's a worldwide pandemic going on because it almost seems like, no, this is what people need right now. Well, yes, and especially because my song, The World Goes On, um, that was about a breakup, and then I rewrote it for the pandemic because I thought it was so fitting that, hey, one day we're going to be able to step outside and not not live in fear and, um, you know, not stay in our houses and not, you know, lay in bed or be depressed or whatever because the world does go on. It's going to go on and things are going to get better. Nice. And so if you listen to the lyrics of that song, you'll you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. But we released that song first as an answer to where the world was at the moment. Yeah, nice, nice. And it's not just that new album. We're going to talk today about so much more that you have going on, but you mentioned before I'd like to give you a chance to talk a little bit further. There is even a new Christmas album, too, in the works. Yes, absolutely. Well, last year was one of the hardest years of my life. I feel like it was even harder than 2020 because I lost my sister in August. She passed away. And I had planned on putting out the Christmas album last year, but I just could not emotionally sing the songs. I just wasn't in the place and I kept crying and um, it just wasn't the time. So we we moved it into 2022 um, and I've been singing it uh, recently. We put out two songs in 2021 um, and that's kind of just a little teaser for what's to come this year for the full album. And I imagine that the Christmas album will probably be out maybe November-ish, I'm thinking. I think it actually comes out October. Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. And, of course, audience, it's all the more reason I always encourage you to keep up with the guests online for specific announcements like that. So as I give out in a few minutes Jamie's online destinations, you'll want to keep up with her to see the specific date that the Christmas album will come out. Interestingly, the day after this interview comes out, Jamie, you are doing a workshop for Nashville Songwriters Association International uh, knowing for certain when your song is finished. Is it the perfectionist in a songwriter that causes him or her to not be able to make peace with a song being ready, ready to go? What, what do you think causes a songwriter to struggle with putting a bow on a song, so to speak? I wouldn't call it a struggle. I would call it, I think, the more you can self-edit and the more, I mean, there does come a time when it's like, okay, you've got to stand back and let it go because, you know, if you keep chipping away at something it's kind of like adding dollops of paint to a painting i mean there's comes a time when you just go i love it and if your instinct says i love it but it depends on co-writers too i mean um to me i i do like to analyze lyrics as we're going along and say is that the strongest way we can say what we're wanting to say are Mm. we painting enough of a picture you know are our rhymes the same rhymes in the first verse as the second verse i mean there's just many things to look at that, that I think you can strengthen up a song. Get rid of superfluous words like that or and or it. But sometimes you have to put in a word if the phrasing doesn't work. You know, it could be a, a baby or an O or a yeah or whatever, you know. But sometimes people will use the word that too many times. Or sometimes for me, I feel like making it less formal like when you're writing a lyric, would you say that to a person? Mm. Or does that sound like something you in a Hallmark card, but you wouldn't necessarily say it in conversation? But I get the impression that 
when a songwriter continues to go back and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite that they're not doing the specific tweaks that you're doing, that there's something that they're just not happy with. And, and I wonder, you know, if that's kind of a recurring problem and or what they do need to do to get over that hump so that they stop not finishing songs and are able to complete more. I mean, my problem I see with a lot of young writers is them being satisfied too quickly. So I don't, I'm going to go against that. I think, yes, finish the song. Don't have it hanging out there forever. Um, And if you get stuck, you know, maybe you need to, you know, ask your your co-writer if you've got co-writers, or maybe if you wrote it by yourself, you need to bring in a co-writer. But I think, um, it, it, it is important to not just say, oh, well, that rhymes, you know, let's say that. Mm. Because lyrics, to me, really do need to paint a picture. I, you, I've, got a, I've got to see almost what you're talking about and not just, don't just give me facts. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, as vital to their success as songwriting and performing is, it's always great to see artists taking time away from their craft to give back in the community. Last month, Musicians on Call reached the one million mark for people in the hospital that they've been able to serve. Jamie, you have participated with them, and I'd love to hear your perspective on being involved that way because I imagine you're going to tell me how much it does for you, never mind the patient in the hospital. Well, every time I've been involved with Musicians on Call, it's been an amazing and rewarding experience for me I've taken my family in there, my, my husband and my daughter and the three of us sang and it's very moving. Um, sometimes you do get very emotional depending on, you know, who you're visiting with and, and what they're going through. Sometimes the family members are in there. Um, it, yeah, I, I can't say enough about what they do. It, it's, a, it's incredible. And if they get a call from someone, Hey, could someone come in? You know, my mom is sick or, this is going on and it's very time sensitive, they will immediately get on it and get a, a, an entertainer over there. It, nothing is, is, is too tough for them. They're, they're constantly um, everywhere, you know, that you can imagine taking in musicians. And I feel like people are so surprised and their spirits are lifted and you see mm. the look on their face. It's like, Oh wow. You know, I'm going to get to hear, the music and it kind of takes them outside of themselves for that moment that you're performing. It's just instead of dwelling on, you know, how tough it is being in the hospital, going through possibly the hardest time in their lives. You know, I think charities like Musicians on Call are so important. So I want to understand this. It is you in a patient's hospital room. This isn't you and there's, say, 20 patients in a social area of the hospital. This is very one-on-one. This is walking room to room. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. And they do it many ways, but yes, you're you're going bedside. Mm. Well, that's very impressive. And again, I know that it's all about the patients and about musicians on call, but I do think it's important for the audience to hear of artists like yourselves that are going and doing this, because obviously that's a huge part of the equation, because I also think it's important that people hear what goes on away from the stage and that it's not just writing and recording the music and going out and performing it. There is very much a community element to this that is not signing autographs after a show in a meet and greet line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's many aspects to it. And, you know, 
I'm involved with pedigree um, as far as um, getting dogs in forever homes and doing animal rescue. Animals are huge in my life um, and anything I can do, anytime I get the call, I'm there. Um, and obviously Musicians on Call is very close to my heart. Music Cares is another one that's really close to my heart. They help musicians in their time of need. And I, I just think, yeah, there's it, the charity aspect to it. You feel so lucky that you can make a difference in this way because, you know, we're still doing what we love, which is music. And instead of just performing for people who have come to see us and hear the songs and maybe have a party and have a good time or whatever they want to do, it's also making a difference in the lives of, you know, pets or people going through a hard time or going and performing for the soldiers. I mean, yeah, I feel like we get so many opportunities that is all because we're able to carry a tune, you know? I mean, it's <laughs> it's a blessing. We're lucky. For sure, for sure. And for the audience, it's been a couple of years now, but I will put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net to an interview that I had done way back on episode 270. It was actually two different guests. One of them was Debbie Carroll, who was calling in from right there in Nashville, speaking about Music Cares. And I echo what Jamie just said, that that's a tremendous program as well. So I'll put a link so you can go back and listen to that episode and learn more about what Music Cares is. Jamie, we can squeeze this one in since we're still in the month of May and just had Mother's Day a few months ago. Talk about having a daughter that's making a go of it as a music artist, as well as how you navigate trying to help her from all your years of experience versus avoiding it getting to the point of, Mom. <laughs> well, there's definitely times where you're walking the tightrope between, you know, in, infringing on her creative space and, you know, maybe giving a warning about certain aspects of the business, but also like I would with anyone else, so maybe I am a little bit tougher on her, trying to get her to re-edit herself and edit her songs and say, really search herself and say, hey, did you, is your rhyming scheme the same? You've got an AA rhyme in the same, in, in both verses, you know, and things like that. I, I do help her. I do give her advice. And I tell her if I don't think a song is as good as maybe another song of hers that I absolutely love. But what I've noticed with her is if she really loves something, she's like, well, I love it. And I think that is super important. I think an artist has to know who they are. And if they love it and they feel strongly enough about it, I think they should stick to their guns. Because if you're the kind of person that waffles all the time or doesn't know who you are as an artist, then you need to figure that out before you try to do anything and really, like, you know, get a record deal or walk into someone's office and perform. I think you kind of need to know what lane you're in and what your message is and who, like, who are your fans? You know, like if you were to describe your fans, tell me who they are, you know, know who your, your target audience is. Who are you, who are you talking to when you say what you're saying? Cause I think Taylor Swift, again, I bring her up all the time. I think she's always known exactly who she's talking to. And mm. I think a lot of artists don't. Mm. Well, but I'm glad that you said all that because, you know, I think there's a picture that comes to people's minds when they hear about someone who is starting into music and they're still in their teenage years. And I think there's a lot of pressure from parents. This is what you're going to do. 
I'm thinking that, okay, there was an influence in your household, but was it her choice from a young age that I want to get into music or were you kind of one of those, you know, hey, this is what mom does. You should do it too. Oh, definitely not. No, I, <laughs> if that and I were like, here's a stethoscope, you know, uh, go be a nurse or a doctor, you know, <laughs> save a life. Um, definitely not because we know the ups and downs, we know the pitfalls and, you know, but I always do say to someone, if you can see yourself, if you can visualize yourself in a van, in a minivan or a sprinter van or, you know, it could be a one of those smaller buses or whatever, with your band members barreling down the highway with your instruments in the truck and being gone and driving overnight and being tired and setting up and sound checking, lugging your gear in, singing for three hours, you know, for not much pay until you make it and then getting back in the van and driving home or on to the next gig, if you can see yourself loving that life and saying, absolutely, that's all I want to do, that's my passion, then you're meant to do this. Mm. But if you're the kind of person who's like, no, I just really want to you know, go on American Idol and see if I can make it and skip to the big time, then to me it's like, okay, have you got the guts and the glory, or do you just want the glory? Mm. Wow, I love that perspective. Uh, that's that's tremendous. That's tremendous. My daughter hears that all the time from me because she's going off to college. She's going to a music school. And I think, like you were talking about influence, I want to see how that develops her and how she feels about every aspect of music once she's gone and really sunk her teeth into that side of it. Because she's been lucky enough to perform with me since she was a little girl. She can go out on stage and talk to 2,000 people and not be scared at all mm. and just with her and her guitar but you know there's a lot that she still has to learn um, that even I as mom or her dad who's a music engineer she doesn't want to hear from us you know it's like okay your mom but your mom and dad and at the end of the day you're annoying <laughs> so I'm getting that's why I'm happy that some other professionals can help her in her quest for making it in the business um is really what is making it you know what i mean is that there's so many aspects to what that is but yeah, yeah so sure. she hears that from me that's <laughs> definitely my advice i like it i like it i'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from nashville by singer songwriter jamie o'neill visit her official website at jamieoneill.com i will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net when you land on her website, you will get access to Jamie's music, videos, merchandise, tour dates, and more, including, of course, links to her social media platforms, which include Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. California, Tennessee, Washington State, Colorado, Michigan, Florida, Alaska, North Dakota, she is coming your way. Get the dates, times, and locations from jamieoneal.com. She will also be in Alabama in late July at the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. You can go to lakemartinsongwritersfestival.com for more information on that event. Join the over 340,000 monthly listeners streaming Jamie's music on Spotify, where her top four songs alone on there have gotten close to 19 million streams. And of course, her music is available on digital platforms such as Apple Music, Amazon, and more. The day that this episode comes out, I am heading to Orlando, where I will be a speaker at the massive PodFest Multimedia Expo. 
Those in attendance will benefit from all my experience from doing this show every week for more than eight years now, but you can tap into all my podcasting knowledge too for the show that you want to do or are already doing. Send me an email via podcast at nhte.net and let's book a private one-on-one online video consultation so I can help you be successful with and get enjoyment from podcasting. Too many people just wing it, and then six months later, they've already stopped. Set yourself up for success with your podcast by scheduling time with me to get the help you need. I will give that email address again at the end of this episode. Jamie, the music world lost a legend recently with the passing of Naomi Judd. Can you talk about what she and her music meant to you? Absolutely. Well, I was um, a a teenager, you know, when, um, I can't remember when they first came out, but when the Judds came out, and I'd been in a family act my whole life with my mom and dad and my younger sister, Um, and we met both Naomi and Winona years ago when they, before they even came out with their music. Um, My mom was living in an apartment next to Larry, who was at the time dating Naomi, so um, I haven't seen Naomi in many, many years, but they mean a lot. They We go back, way back to, you know, feeling like, you know, they're, you know, you're rooting for them because you. I saw how hard they worked. I saw the talent and what they went through as a mother and daughter and as a family and, and the devotion that they had. I mean, Naomi was a songwriter, too, and as a strong single mom, of two strong daughters, you know, how hard she worked. And it just absolutely breaks my heart and what I can only imagine they're feeling right now and coming back from, you know, just having, I mean, my sister had mental illness and it's just, it's just devastating. It's really devastating. Mm. Well, on a happier note, you just came back from performing on a cruise can you talk about doing shows in that environment instead of, say, compared to traditional venues? Well, I think anytime I've been asked to go on a cruise, I've always said yes. It's one of my favorite things to do. Mm. I love the fact that we're all there on the cruise together, you know, exploring places that maybe you haven't been before. I just love everything about it. It's like it's like a, being in a, in a nice floating hotel with everyone taking care of you. You can eat anytime you want. You can go to eat at midnight if you want to. Every time you leave your room, when you get back to your room, it's been clean. The crew is amazing. I mean, the Princess Cruise Line was incredible. It's my second cruise with them. And I just, yeah, Daily Travel, who was um, Randy Hobbit Daily, is the one who's had me. This is the second time I've done a cruise with him. Um, I can't say enough great things. I would go anytime. Alaska is absolutely incredible. Mm. Well, speaking of performing, I mentioned that you will be at the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama in late July. Just like being on a cruise ship, that too is a much different atmosphere to perform in. Can you talk about going there in a couple months for that event? I can't wait. I've heard so many great things about the event and about the beautiful area and, you know, the homes on the lake and and the community, how everyone is so involved. Um, and they have so many cool, like Ava Page is a young girl here that um, I, I don't know if she played it last year or she's playing it this year, but 
she's absolutely incredible and just like this young songwriter who's been writing since she was like probably 10 years old or something and mm. she's been through a cancer scare and just i mean she's amazing and then thompson square you know we, we go way back they've recorded in my studio before and um, we're with the same agency, and I love them. I mean, that's going to be a, a great night. They have a great lineup of music. So anybody in that Lake Martin area, please come out to the show because it's going to be incredible. Well, as I mentioned way back in the intro, plus all the states that I mentioned when I was giving out your website and social media channels, you're just doing all kinds of touring, though. This is going to be a really busy summer for you. Can you talk about all this touring that you're doing? Well, it's just so exciting to get back to seeing the fans and being on the road again um, after such a hard time that everyone's had. You know, I mean, everybody's ready to celebrate freedom and um, and life. You know what I mean? Instead of because we all do better when we get together and we can, you know, that sense of community and and having fun and just like yay. You know, it's like. The energy that comes from an audience when you're on stage and when you're even when you're in the audience, I feel it both places, is like we're all one. You know what I mean? Which is kind of just a smaller version of what the world should feel like. Mm. But during the pandemic, it was like everybody in their houses. How horrible did that feel to feel cut off from people? You know, um, it just feels so much nicer when you can... You know, not be worried about the person sitting or standing next to you, but you can have a conversation and get to know them and just enjoy life again. I mean, that's how I feel anyway. I'm just so grateful to be back out there. Did you do any live streaming during the pandemic or no? I did, yeah. I I did quite a bit. I mean, I didn't love it. It's not my favorite thing to do, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) I certainly did. Well, I want to make sure I give you a chance to talk about your YouTube channel since we're making a reference to video. My gosh, almost 10,000 subscribers on Jamie's YouTube channel and approximately 7.5 million combined video views. And Jamie, you've got a little bit of everything on there. Acoustic stuff, Christmas songs, official music videos, lyric videos. You mentioned before, I think you said a video with Sarah Evans will be coming out. I wonder... Where do you come down on all this video stuff that you're putting out? Is it just part of the business, Bruce, or is it, oh, I actually love it. I get very involved in the planning and the production of all this stuff. Um, definitely the latter. You know, I'm very involved. My husband edits. Um, he he learned to edit during the pandemic, and he edited my Wreck Me video, the Sarah Evans video, uh, the Martina video, and... You know, my co-writer, Shay Smith, does all the lyric videos. Um, we wrote Arizona together, Somebody's Hero, How Far from Martina. And now her business is doing lyric videos. So it's so it's so great because every time I say, hey, I need a lyric video and I'd love it to look like this, she just goes to town and just gets so creative <laughs> and I just love what she comes up with. So I'm definitely very involved. I love a lot of different aspects. I mean, to the point of like a lot of things that we do at home and did have done at home without being able to bring a big crew in is learning about lighting and getting lights and setting them up and turning them on and you know what I mean like so I feel like I learned a lot in 2020 I really did and Mm. you know I've gotten away from it a little bit just because I'm super busy usually traveling and getting ready for different things I'm doing a trio um, doing a few shows with Carolyn Don Johnson and Anita Cochran um, and that's called Three Blondes Rock Into a Room and we're doing some shows together um, and then, of course, I do full band shows. I do acoustic shows. I'm doing a couple of shows with 
ricochet and white haze and so i just do a lot of a lot of different things um and enjoy it all i really do i love playing with my friends yeah i believe i saw are you even opening up for phil vassar at some point soon i think yes yes um july 7th in grand haven michigan i wonder though with the video everything that you were talking about in there did you get to the point where you said, okay, I know that TikTok has sort of become kind of the go-to platform for video, but but that's where I'm going to draw the line, and maybe your daughter, on the other hand, has seized upon that, or am I missing out here, and, and maybe you are on TikTok? I am not a, a TikToker. I mean, I think I have a page that's not even verified yet because that's how lame I am. Um, and my daughter even isn't isn't great at TikTok. She, and she definitely is more into Snapchat and things like that, but she's got music getting ready to come out this summer, so she's going to have to get better on it for sure. Well, you mentioned before that you have a Christmas album coming out later this year. I think while we're talking about videos, I think in my research I saw a post that you had done on Instagram where there was a Christmas video being filmed for someone else's Christmas song that you duetted on. Am I correct? Yes, Lucas Hope. We did... um, let it snow together that was really fun well we're going to close today with there is no arizona which got a 2.0 version with lauren elena on the sometimes album that came out in october 2020 as we talked about earlier jamie before i let you go and i play that track though talk about this song first if you would please sure um well we wrote this and it's one of those songs to me that you know was meant to be that came together pretty easily. I had been to Sedona. I fell in love with that little town. And so I had that written down. I said, I want to write a song about Sedona that kind of describes the beauty of Arizona and everything. And then my co-writer, Lisa Drew, said, well, that's weird because I have the title, There Is No Arizona. And she said, I don't know what it would mean, but it was a line in the movie Dolores Claiborne, Mm. which is a Stephen King movie. And Stephen King actually sent me a book, a signed copy of his book. And it says, Dear Jamie, there really is an Arizona <laughs> sign a fan, Stephen King. And I'm like, Stephen King is a fan of wow. my song. Wow. Um, yeah, that really meant a lot. So that's, that song to me is like the epitome of your dreams coming true at once, you know, and not even expecting how amazing it's going to feel. Hearing it on the radio, knowing that people love it, knowing that as soon as they hear the intro to the song, they know exactly what song it is. Um, everything about it, you know, and the harmonica. It was very cool and different to do that. And I just feel really lucky again that, that, because I feel like the songwriters, a lot of times, being in the room and having the idea comes into the room and you're kind of the vessel. I mean, it might sound too esoteric to you, but, you know, if you're sitting there in a room and you both blurt out the same line at the same time, you know it's because it's in the room. It's like we were lucky enough to to get uh, to channel into that. But I think it is. I think where I think when you're creating something like that, it's kind of in the air. And that old trite saying, "Think like a writer," is really true. If you start looking for ideas and keeping your eyes and ears open as a writer, things will come to you. You will see things that inspire you, or hear a melody, or whatever. You know. Um, Sometimes driving in the car, that's when it hits me. And definitely, um, you know, Arizona was one of those songs that was meant to be, and I'm so grateful for it. 
Okay, but thinking about that statement that you just made, though, that if you look for something as a writer, you'll find these different songs. I wonder, could it get to a point, though, where someone gets a little too carried away? You visit Arizona, you go, oh, my gosh, Sedona's beautiful. i got to write a song about this. Then the same person goes to Savannah, Georgia. They go, this place is beautiful. i got to write a song about this. Then they go to another place, and pretty soon somebody says, okay, I think we have enough of the destination songs. <laughs> Never enough destination songs. <laughs> well, but I don't mean destination songs specifically, but I mean, could could someone fall into that trap where they start setting this pattern that needs to be broken or not necessarily? I don't think so. I think that if, if you visit a city or, you know, I mean, there's been songs about states forever and ever, you know. I mean, that people sing about their hometown and they sing about, you know, um, I mean, certain states in the South, seem to get written about a lot you know georgia florida whatever it may be you know it's like that you know i I just think if a song works it works if you have a different way of saying it and you know you your song is original in some way that you say it like you say it a little differently then um you know i don't think you can say it enough times like chuck berry said nothing is original anymore (laughs) everything that we know of has been written about how many times have we written about love or a breakup or cheating or whatever it may be or dancing a certain dance you know um everything in in pop music seems to be they'll sing about the club and the club and the club and the club and in country music it's the bar the bar the bar the bar you know or tailgating or whatever like these subjects get written about again and again but it's because they work it's because they're fun you know and people want to hear them and so i think I don't think you, if you want to write a song about a state and you want to describe a city, go for it. Yeah, because I was going to kind of take a shot at myself and say, well, gee, Bruce, if you have to break the pattern of writing about city after city, does that mean someone's going to come to you and say, hey, you got to stop with all these relationship songs? So (laughs) I think I kind of answered my own question in a take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture there, because you did such a good job of pointing out different genres and different themes that run throughout them. So whether it's a a city in a few different states or whether it's a breakup song, they're going to happen. It's I love the way you said it. You just have to have a new way of coming at it because someone's already told it before. We're just looking for something original now. Right, exactly. Spot on. I love that you told the Stephen King story, though, because as somebody who has appeared on The Tonight Show, has appeared on David Letterman. I mentioned the people that you've written hits for. It's really kind of cool to use a David Letterman expression to have a, a quote-unquote brush with greatness, and it's somebody outside of the music industry. Yeah, I, I love it, too. It's, it's so unexpected. Well, Jamie, it's been so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for making time for this. We'll look forward to seeing you at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival, and I appreciate you being on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on today. Good to talk to you, Bruce. Likewise, likewise. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer-songwriter Jamie O'Neill. Do visit her official website at jamieoneill.com. Again, I will put a link to her website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. There is lots to see when you land on Jamie's website. Music, tour dates, merchandise, videos, and much more including links to her various social media platforms. You heard her talking about the videos on her YouTube channel. This morning, I followed Jamie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I know she would appreciate it if you would do the same if you're not already. 
For that matter, tell Jamie that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember, there is a long list of live dates on jamieoneal.com, so do look there to see where and when you can go see her perform. You heard her talk about the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in July. Specifically, that is the 27th to the 31st. Check lakemartinsongwritersfestival.com for more information. Jamie's music is available on all digital music platforms, including Apple Music, Amazon, and, as I mentioned earlier, Spotify, where she has more than 340,000 monthly listeners. Again, a reminder about getting yourself help with podcasting, or maybe passing this along to someone you know who keeps saying they want to start a podcast or has started one but is struggling. I have been doing this show every week since February 2014, Plus, I speak about podcasting at events around the country. Tap into all of my experience by booking a private one-on-one online video consultation with me to get you on the road to podcasting success and enjoyment. Write to me via podcast at nhte.net, and let's set up a date and time to get online together for a confidential discussion to get you moving forward with your podcast. That's going to do it for episode 432. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Jamie O'Neill. This is the one she just talked about. It's called There Is No Arizona. It promised her a new and better life Out in Arizona Underneath the blue never-ending sky Sworn that he was gone
he stole. 